Hello, welcome to the Richard Herring podcast feed powered by ACAST Plus. Thanks so much for listening to these. Do tell your friends if you enjoy them. The Can I Have My Ball Back Tour is back on the road this week. We're in London on the 7th in the Bloomsbury Theatre and Leicester Square Theatre on the 9th. I've got quite a lot of tickets to sell for both of those, so if you're in London, please come along. Then the 13th in Cambridge, few tickets left for that one. Uh, Leicester on the 14th, Leeds on the 15th. Uh, Salford on the 16th, Newcastle on the 17th, which is sold out on the website, but I think there might be a few more tickets to release. Uh, So do come along if you want to see me talk about my balls and one of them not being here anymore. It's a very funny show. Four star reviews in the Telegraph and the Standard. Um, Anyway, look, let's sit back, relax and enjoy another fantastic podcast from Richard Herring, the genius podcaster. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Ooh, wee, Rick, we are really pumping out the podcast for you this year, aren't we? Another one, the second this week. It's back at the Newcastle stand and it's Seymour Mace. If you haven't heard of Seymour, you are missing out. Absolutely phenomenal comedian. Um, Very interesting man. This was a lovely podcast. I hope you will enjoy it. Um, Do keep supporting us however you can. You know the ways. Become a badger. Go fusterstrike.com slash badges. Come and see a show. com slash gigs. Just tell your friends about Rahul That Go to Twitter, Facebook, or if you see them in real life, you can say, hey, listen to Rahul listen to it now, my fan friend, do that. And then um, they'll say, okay, we will, stop shouting in our faces. Um, thanks to everyone who has participated and helped us put these out uh, with, through the Kickstarter campaigns, and um, we'll probably do another one for the upcoming videos in 2020. I mean, Michael Palin's going to be on one of them. That's not bad, is it? Come on, that's not bad. That's extremely good. Um, keep up to date, rahalaspa.co.uk. If you become a badger, you get to know about all the guests before everyone else, uh, as well as many other benefits. Sorry about my emails going off. Um, some of you will think it's your email and be checking your email, and it isn't. It was mine, and I can't be bothered to re-record this. So fuck you all. Fuck every one of you in the arse. Let's sit back, relax, and enjoy Rahul <laughs> Seymour Mace. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stand in Newcastle. Please welcome a man whose life has been disrupted by squirrels. It's Richard Herring. Hello, Newcastle. Oh, oh yeah, you are. You are. You are better than last week's audience. Miles better than last week's audience. Welcome, we're in a podcast. Welcome to Richard Herring's Languishing Sub-Time podcast. Uh, it's, 
got to come up with some new ideas. With so many podcasts out there, you've got to come up, keep it fresh. Uh, the idea for the podcast now is me and my guests will be submerged under Newcastle's river and then try to have a conversation, just be made to drink the water there and see how long, whether we drown or are poisoned first. It's one, it's one of the two. One of the two. We'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but I was talking to the Angel of the North uh, the other day. He's a, he's a big fan of the podcast. When I asked him how much he liked it, he said... Oh, yeah. Realised I couldn't do that joke and have the microphone in my hand at the same time. If you're listening on audio, it was really funny. Anyway, who calls it Rahalastapas? I don't know. That's thing I catch on. Yeah, uh, the squirrel thing. Uh, I parked my car under a tree. This is the problem with living in the country the other day. And we left it for a couple of days. And when I came back, the car was lit. We were about to go out in quite a rush. And the car was covered in squirrel shit. I'm just presuming. I don't, I'm not an expert on shit, but it wasn't bird shit. Uh, it was like little tiny poofs. And I tell you, there was not a hazelnut in every bite. The joke lied to us. <laughs> it was very unpleasant. And so I had to go to a car wash, and then I was really tired, and I didn't drive in the right angle into the car wash and broke the car wash. <laughs> and that was an hour of my day I was now behind. <laughs> it was all down to the squirrels. But it did mean that I got to go to the car wash again later. The bloke said, I'll give you another ticket. You'll have to come back later because we have to reset the car wash because I'd driven in too close to the edge. I'm very tired. Uh, and I went in with my kids. My son was in there, and he was really terrified. Like, t- this all the... Yeah, he's carrying, and I said, what do you think of it afterwards? He's two years old. He went, amazing. Uh, it was worth it for that. What a wonderful... Be- Thanks, squirrels, for that. Uh, anyway, we're here in Newcastle, and I was looking up online to find out some facts about Newcastle. There was a uh, whole website that had, like, 50 facts about Newcastle, and every single one of them was shit. T- it was, like, so desperate... These are so desperate. And they're right from the beginning, nothing. The first one, Newcastle Central Station is the first ever covered train station in the world. <laughs> not the first train station, just the first one with a roof. That is not that good. Don't put that at the top. Um, Newcastle has the 10th largest regional airport. <laughs> That's not worth saying. Newcastle is the 15th most visited UK city by overseas visitors. 15th. So basically, if someone's here for two weeks, they're not going to come to see Newcastle. They'll see a different city every day. Newcastle... (laughs) Is this what I've got? I can't read my own writing. Newcastle Townmore, is that what it's called? Tonmore? Townmore is bigger than most parks in London. Um, genuinely, there's about 50 of these. These are the best ones. This is generally fantastic. The first Greggs was in Newcastle. That is done. Well, even better, it was there, put there by Ian Greggs, and that is, and that is generally true. That's genuinely true. That makes him very happy. Uh, uh, the ship Carpathia was the, 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 the ship that rescued the Titanic survivors was built in Newcastle. That's... No, that's no good. <laughs> Best of all, the greatest variety of ginger hair in the world is in Newcastle. <laughs> there are 47 shades <laughs> of ginger. No, one, that, no one's turned that into a book, have they? So uh, that's... <laughs> I mean, how you work that out? You know, different shades of ginger. 
There's a few in here, there's a few. Right, my guest this week is probably best known for his role as Johnny D. Hellfire in Zombie Women of Satan. That's why we're here tonight, to see him. Ladies and gentlemen, will you please welcome Seymour Mace, ladies and gentlemen. Seymour Mace. Welcome. Sit down, please. Oh. How you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Good. We've both gone for knitwear in this quite warm room. Yeah. That's kind of a Starsky. That's like Starsky from Starsky and Hutch. Um, Two old references. It's very nice of you to say that. Uh, but because he used to get out the swimming pool, didn't he? And yeah. the opening titles, and yes. it was sopping wet. Yeah. <laughs> and he had a belt on it. Oh, I ain't got a belt. Uh, no belt. But it is similar. It is. It's nice. In the vein of. Yeah. Yeah. Paul Michael Glazer. Too, it's, the kids are too young these days. Well, that's the problem. Yeah, but remember everyone Starsky knows Starsky Notch, don't they? They, they remember the terrible film with Ben Affleck oh, yeah. and probably, probably Owen yeah, Wilson. Owen probably. Wilson and, yeah. Yeah, was it about two of them? Ben Stiller. I went ben to see Star. that. I went to see that film on a date and I went to, in Leicester Square and I went to Garfunkel's first and then saw Starsky and Hutch and I can promise you that is the worst combination. <laughs> the most terrible food followed by the most terrible film. Starsky and Hutch yeah. were in it though. They were, they were in it. At the I, end. They, oh, were they? Yeah, the real ones. Yeah, the real ones. Don't, they, rem- don't remember. They were in it. Should have killed them. <laughs> so you, tell us about your film career. I've seen, I've seen the trailer <laughs> of Zombie oh, Women of Satan. Oh my God. Uh, it's awful, awful. <laughs> it's no, it's terrible. Some fans. You, know, you know what you're talking about. It's a terrible film. Um, don't, the lesson is, if your mate phones you up and says, do you want to be in a zombie film? Yeah. Don't just say yes. <laughs> uh, there's not even any zombies in it. The, the, there isn't. The zombies are women who've been drugged. Yeah. I know, it sounds sinister, doesn't it? It is sinister. It's a horrible, horrible film about women who get drugged and try to escape and get killed by me and other people. And most of them do it topless. Yeah. It's a horrible film. It's sounding better and better than more. It's awful. It's a film that I say to people, because they they go, oh, yeah, and I say, don't watch it. It's a horrible film. Don't watch it. And they say... Nah, but, but no, <laughs> it's horrible. There's, yeah, but it's probably so bad, it's good. Yeah. Which is a phrase I hate anyway. Yeah. I don't, I, I say anything so bad, it's bad. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and then they watch it, and then they say, then they get back to me and they say, oh, but it was horrible, I had to turn it off after 10 <laughs> minutes, and I go, I told you it was horrible. <laughs> and then, uh, they, then they have a, you know, low opinion of me because I, yeah. I was fucking in it <laughs> and I had to oh man but there was this whole it was like film there was this like I was basically in a farmyard in Durham fighting these women right <laughs> with some other people and uh, I had a chainsaw it was a it was a laugh anyway <laughs> and uh, so we were filming this but there was this whole other bit that was being filmed as well about this family who would trap the women and what they did to these women in their fucking little dungeony bit. Right. And that was awful. <laughs> it was like uh, um, having sex with drugged up yeah. dead women. Oh, it was horrible, horrible. I must, I'm going to check it out. So it's... Uh, <laughs> so I've seen Just I tell so you what, I, I tell you what, right, there's, a, there's a 
there's a film festival in London yeah. once a year. I think it's called Fright Fest, something like that, where they where they celebrate horror films and they do uh, give out awards and all that. And in the history of that, <laughs> Zombie Women of Satan is the only film ever in the worst film category to get all the nominations. <laughs> <laughs> That is a, that's an amazing thing. These guys, these two guys... You like love it, it don't you? He got it. He got both of them? Is it, it, yeah, he asked me to do the second one yeah. and I knocked it. <laughs> <laughs> is the second one better? It's just as bad. Is it? Oh, yeah. I think you enjoyed it. Just as bad. I enjoyed it. It's good if they twitched it round in the second one. It was the men, the men who were the drugged ones and the women... I don't think that... Uh, the guy didn't have the imagination. The, di- the guy wrote it, directed it and started it. A guy called Warren Speed, who's awful. Anyway, uh, <laughs> he couldn't write, direct or act. Yeah. So it was... He, he was saying to me on, on set when you... He had, he, he had a scene where you were supposed to throw knives. At a, it was a kind of, he, was, he played this weird clown and it was a troupe of, like, cabaret artists... And there's this bit where he's supposed to do a knife throwing act. And on the day we filmed it, he came out and went, I don't know how to throw knives. <laughs> and then he said, what can I do? So I said, just drop the knives and walk off. And so he did that. <laughs> she kept saying, can you come up with stuff? So by the end, we were just taking the piss. <laughs> and those are the best bits. Uh, <laughs> Horrible, horrible. Yeah, well, I think horrible, the sales are going to go through the horrible. roof after this. <laughs> yeah, oh, let's hope not. I don't want to put any money in that. <laughs> uh, really. The more if you're you going to buy it, buy it second hand. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't, want, I don't want a second hand copy. I can see what this guy looks like. <laughs> I know what he was buying it for. So, it's quite hard, Seymour, to find that much out about you. There's not much about you on the internet, so we're going to do our finding yeah. out on, uh, on stage. Uh, you were born in the UK, but you moved to South Africa when you were young. Is that much true? It is true. I was very young. Your dad um, was a gold miner. He was a gold miner Come in on, that's South pretty Africa. cool. It is pretty cool. Uh, we moved there in 1970. Right. We could emigrate for a tenner to either South Africa or Australia. Yeah. And uh, we went to uh, South Africa for some reason, because we're all massive racists. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know why. We haven't really broached that subject. Anyway. Um, we, uh, my dad had a job in the gold mines, and uh, there's a language that they speak in the mines called funny galora, because okay. a lot of the people who work in the mines come from loads and loads of different tribal areas, and there's loads of different languages spoken, so they have a unified language called funny galora. Okay. Um, I can't speak any of it. Could your dad speak, could. or could your dad speak? He could. He could yeah. speak funny galora. Yeah. Wow. It sounds Irish, doesn't it? it does. uh, funny galora. <laughs> 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 it sounds like um, the uh, name you'd make up if you were a racist for a language. <laughs> for a speaking funny galora. <laughs> yeah. For any uh, foreign language, he's speaking funny galore. That's just any. That's just not English. Yeah, that's yeah it's right. like mumbo jumbo. Yeah. Version of that. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Gobbledygook. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So what? Do you, did but, your dad manage to sneak out any free gold? No. But every year they had a thing where they had a, a bar of gold, and if you could pick it up, you could have it. Um. <laughs> but you couldn't pick it up. Because it's, it's something to do with this. It's, it's, very, it's quite a soft metal. It's a very 
they can't get a grip this on it. Very slippy, so as long as they have it that way up, you can't get all of it. Right. But if you flip it over, then ah, nobody's thought that's to the do trick. That. That's the trick. <laughs> I remember Johnny Ball on, you know, Ball yeah. knows it all. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have a memory of him saying uh, that he had a gold bar and he said it was on his back. Right. He was carrying it on his back and he said, if this was a real gold bar, I couldn't carry it on my back. It would break my back. But then he went, but this is a real bar of gold. That's my memory of watching Johnny Ball. <laughs> I was confused at the time. I met Johnny Ball and I said, what was that? Do you remember when you had that bar of gold on your back? Yeah. And then you said, they can't. He said, no, I never did that. <laughs> so do you think you dreamt that? I don't know if I dreamt it, it or whether or he just did it and then has forgotten. Denied it or yeah, just willfully like, denied it? I yeah. think maybe he broke, maybe he killed the original Johnny Ball was killed. Or maybe gold he, maybe he kept the gold. Yeah. And walked out with and it. And then said, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, we'll what gold? Know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'd do if I worked in the gold mine. You just need to put a little bit in your pocket every day. Yeah, like Johnny, they... uh, Johnny Cash in that song. Oh, like yeah. His car. Yeah. yeah. Did, they, did they check? For, it was your dad's job to check people to make sure they didn't steal, steal gold. It's good. And what brought you back to... Um, what brought you back to... Not having to go to your dad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sounds like it. Yeah, it sounds a bit like it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to run away with an idea and thought, oh, that's come out quite rude. Let's change the subject. Uh, what brought you back? Was it your dad stealing the gold? Deported, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they just got bored, homesick, whatever. And I didn't have any, you know, say in the matter. You were tiny, tiny still all this yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I was only, like, I wasn't even one when we no. moved there. And I think it was about three when we come back. Okay. Do you remember anything about... That's quite vaguely, about, yeah. I remember a birthday party in the back garden. Okay. We had a duck, we had a pet duck. Okay. That one of the dogs brought home in its mouth one day. <laughs> but it didn't kill it, it brought home like a puppy. And yeah. then this duck grew up thinking it was a dog. And used to chase the dogs, the other dogs round. Yeah. And used to drink your tea, put your tea down. You remember? You, you remember quite a lot about. It. Lot you remember? Photos. You remember? You remember a lot about. Yeah, this I think time. I was meant to live with the duck <laughs> in the little hutch outside. And so, what did you? Were a clown? Was that? That's all I, I was found a clown about. Was that, was that your first? Did you do any other jobs apart from being a clown? Tell me about being a clown. But was that? No, let's go. My first job, I worked on the backstage crew at Butlins in Skegness. Okay. Uh, I went for a job as a red coat because uh, I had, you know, aspirations to be an actor. Yeah. And the man interviewing me said I was too scruffy to be a red coat. Oh. Did I want to be part of the stage crew? So I said, yeah, all right. So I did all the stage crew in like the Gaiety Theatre, mm-hmm. which was also the cinema, and then in the nightclub. And I worked with luminaries such as uh, Chuckle Brothers. Did okay, yeah. Backstage for the Chuckle Brothers. Um, little and large, God, yeah, crankies, golden, golden uh, age of double yeah, X. Yeah, yeah, and and the, the but the nicest one out of all of them was Bernie Clifton. Yeah, everyone said, you know what, the, uh, Caroline Quentin was on, and she yeah. used to work as a, in dance. She was a dancer in shows, and she said the same thing. It, so yeah. Bernie Clifton was the nicest. Top one. bloke. The, others were, oh, the crankies were a bit up, up themselves. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, to be, to be fair, uh, literally, yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> But they do do an excellent version of Life on Mars by David Yeah, Brown. they do, they, they do. do. Uh, and, uh, so, uh, and the Chuckle Brothers were nice enough, but, yeah. you know... They must have been... The Chuckle Brothers must have been not, like, wrinkled and old at that point. They must have no, been quite young. No, this is in the... Yeah, this was late 80s, Yeah, they 90s, must have been young. So they were still pretty, yeah, fit. Yeah. But... <laughs> not... Well, I mean, one of them's... <laughs> <laughs> one of them's <laughs> dead. <laughs> one of them's dead. I mean, fit, like, you know... <laughs> 
they kept themselves in shape. Like, yeah. they are. I've come from my own sexuality. I don't appreciate the chuckle brothers were fit in their day. Um, and there was a rumour went round that one of them had elephantitis of the legs and that's why he wears straight leg trousers. But that was never... Nobody ever found out. That was the rumour that went round. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, and it was the one who's dead, so we'll never know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, the, the, the Bernie Clifton, lovely fella, he would get us on. Uh, there was about six or seven of us on the backstage crew and uh, he would buy us all drinks in the interval. And then the second half, you do this bit where you got the audience right, shout out your favourite musical, shout your favourite musical out, I'll do a song from it, and people start shouting out. And then as soon as you shout out Oklahoma, <laughs> yeah. he would go, hang on, hang on, what was that? So <laughs> poor woman in the middle. And she'd go, Oklahoma. And he'd go, what? Oklahoma? And he'd go, hang about, put the, put the spotlight on this woman, and she'd get the spot on her. He said, stand up. She'd stand up, and he'd say, what was that? And she'd go, Oklahoma. And he just start laughing and go, God. And then, this poor woman standing there like that. Even laughing, and he'd go like that. Yeah, yeah. And one of the stage crew would come on, like, eating a sandwich. And he'd go, point at the woman, he'd go, Oklahoma. <laughs> and we'd have to go, God, God. And then each one of the stage crew would come on one after one and humiliate this poor woman. It's fucking brilliant. <laughs> And then he wouldn't do the song, he would just go on and then <laughs> do it. Next bit was he was, he was doing some dresses of shake and there was like, a like, fire extinguisher up his thing, so he shot yeah. all the stuff out of the bottom of it. Oh, yes. Because he did the Fringe a few, the Edinburgh Fringe a few years ago, I think. I, yeah, I never yeah. Did you go and see him again? Or did I you, didn't. No, I didn't see but it. But I met him again years later. I used to live in Manchester. And um, I, I got to know uh, Jimmy Cricket's children, because yeah. one of them, Katie Mulgrew, is still a stand-up now, and Frankie, uh, Frankie Doodle, who's his son, was a stand-up as well, and this he's yeah. now a priest. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I went to his confirmation. Donna sung at his confirmation. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and when I was living in Manchester, got, got made with Jimmy, he came and did a couple of gigs at, like, Excess Malarkey, which was a really good night in Manchester. He did a couple of alternative comedy gigs, and really appreciated it, and he became mates. And he invited me along to this thing that he had, um, which was they met up once a month and had like a proper Sunday lunch, but really old school. And it was him and loads of like 1970s comedians and impressionists and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And he invited me to go along. And I used to go once a month and just sit there <laughs> and listen to like Johnny Moore and that, all just talk about uh, all the impressions and all, just talk about Eric Morgan and Tommy Cooper and stuff like that. And Brilliant. I don't know why I was ever invited. And Graham. Graham from the Grumbleweeds used to go as well. Right. I got a yeah. really friendly with Graham from the... Yeah. If you don't know who Graham from the Grumbleweeds is, he's the funny one. <laughs> uh, and he was a top bloke. Um, so that was, it was weird that I got to join that little world. And the, the weirdest bloke who turned up one day, the, um, oh, what's he called? The bloke who played the copper in Hallo Hallo. <laughs> Arthur Bostrom. That's Arthur Bostrom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's walked out in disgust. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just no, that's too far. How dare they mock the? the and he was a he was a big deal. You yeah. can see the others were like, "Whoa, oh, the <laughs> <laughs> Did he do? Did he carry on speaking in the? <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. 
Jake, well, do you think that I, when I see you and the clips I see you, there's a there's a sort of a little bit of a throwback to that yeah. era, I think, in the way you look and the way you, the kind of stuff you're doing. So maybe that you recognised that within you, or were you doing yeah, stand up well, at that I point? Do, yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. and I do love. You know, my dad got me into stand up in the seventies, and yeah. Tommy Cooper, Eric Morton was my yeah. biggest hero. Eric Morton, in terms of timing and just sure. the presence on stage and the, how naturally funny he was, uh, he's amazing. Yeah, and uh, to be to be able to hang out, yeah, and I think I got on with Jimmy because I appreciate that he's he's a funny fella. Yeah, I mean, and uh, well, I, think, he, I think a lot of seventies comedians get a bad rap. They do for some yeah, reason. I don't know what that. Well, I don't know what that, 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 that was. What do you think that was? <laughs> <Tell me. laughs> But what do you think they did? I've got no idea. They're idea. just trying to make people laugh, aren't they? What's, what's, what, they what went so wrong for them? <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of them were nice, nice like, and did their own material as well in yeah. the 70s. And people like Mick Miller, he, was, he had some brilliant jokes yeah. about the, trying to cook an octopus and they kept putting the tentacles out and turn the gas off. <laughs> it was a brilliant joke. But, you know... But they all just get lumped in with you know, Bernard Bannons and that, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is a shame. Um, but. Yeah, well, Jimmy did. Jimmy did this podcast in uh, when I did Salford a few months ago. So it's out now already. Uh, definitely, if you're listening at home, it's definitely out. It was out ages ago. Uh, and uh, yeah, he's, he's a top guy. He's a really, but you know, he's sort of he's interested in. You know, but he's still that's he's still just still doing comedy. You know, he's sort of just he's interested in getting out there and doing what he's. My favorite story, you know, Alfie Joy. Alfie Joy is another comedian now. Works on uh, Newcastle Radio as so the morning DJ. And uh, he was good mates with Jimmy, and Jimmy said, Alfie was getting married, and Jimmy said, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll play the saxophone at your wedding. <laughs> and Alfie's like, fucking brilliant, you know, so he's had a few things going on. And then uh, it got to the point where Jimmy come out to play the saxophone. He was fucking terrible. Couldn't play the saxophone. That <laughs> <laughs> was brilliant. <laughs> he, he just... <laughs> so how, how did you become a clown? I have to ask about the, cl- the clowns. So you're a clown in Japan. I, 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 yeah, I was working for a street theatre company called the Natural Theatre Company. It was based in Bath, and I, I, I got a job with them in 1990 at Gateshead Garden Festival because they employed a couple of local people. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Gateshead Garden Festival crew in. Who <laughs> 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 <Who> knew? <laughs> uh, and we would do. We did the street theatre there for and, the, and, and naturals. It's not like circus skills street theatre. It's, it's kind of improvised weird characters and shit like that. And then we got a contract to, to go to Japan. So we worked in Japan at an amusement park over there. And then the next dressing room along from us were a load of Japanese clowns. And we got on really well with them and became mates. And then our contract finished, and they said, "Oh, why don't you come back? You know, go home, learn to juggle, come back, and you can be a clown." So. Uh, <laughs> I came home, learned to juggle, learned to do balloon animals, and then went yeah. back and was a clown for a few months with them, okay. uh, which was brilliant. Yeah. P- Pinky Junior, that was my clown name. Was Pinky what? Jr. Pinky? Pinky Junior, okay. PJ. And because uh, Pinky was the clown who taught me the most, so oh. they name you. And uh, I've still got my shoes, 10-inch long, black leather, hand-stitched by Wayne Scott. Comes back when she heard about the 10-inch shoes, didn't she? That's the thing. Oh, what? <laughs> Big shoes. And it was it was great. Had yeah. pro, uh, makeup. You don't have to put it on an egg in Bognor Regis. That's bullshit. Okay. Uh, but, uh, my own makeup. Anyone who doesn't know about that thinks you're insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, put an egg in Bognor Regis. No, I wouldn't have thought you would have to do that. 
There's a thing where crowns have to put their faces yeah, on yeah. eggs in Bognor Regions. Very much an English thing. Yeah. Not, 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 not a Japanese not, not a worldwide thing. thing. A Japanese clown's different than well, British clowns? Well, they trained Crown College Japan, which is an American company, so they were very okay. much American style clowns okay. rather than Japanese. So sort of more clowns. serial killers than paedophiles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 It's a shame. The, <laughs> it's a shame, it's a shame the, the bad name the clowns have got. The, yeah, for a few rotten apples. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And You've got like it, it and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? You could demonise any, any, any... If you did a film like It and it was about a plumber, yeah. then people began... Suddenly people wouldn't trust plumbers anymore. Yeah, yeah but, you know, they do like hanging around with kids. So it's... Um, <laughs> plumbers don't like that. Plumbers, plumbers keep away from them. <laughs> So what brought you into what was you came back from that and decided to get into stand up? I did that and then I was still I did street theatre with the naturals all through my twenties, which was really good for me because it was all short term contract work. So you'd go somewhere for a couple of months and then come back. Yeah. And I was a bit of a raver in the twenties as well, so I was uh, raves off me on drugs all the time. And then I got bored of that life and um I got bored of living out of suitcase, so I came back to Newcastle, did a I was doing a sketch thing at the old hyena comedy club in Newcastle, sketched troop once a month and um and then did a course run by vladimir mctavish yeah. as part of the newcastle comedy festival um and and he said at the end of that he said you should write some material over the weekend and come back and do the new act competition on the monday so i did that and then i won the new act competition which sounds good but the bloke who got second got a fucking holiday to amsterdam right and uh, i got signed up by shit agency <laughs> six weeks uh, <laughs> so that was that, that. Then all of a sudden, that got me started, and then yeah. I was fortunate. After six months, I won a competition run by Bachelor's Cup of Soup called the Bachelor's Cup of Soup Comedy Challenge. Yeah. Hey, Big hey, <laughs> you're laughing, right? You're yeah. laughing. Ten thousand pounds. I know, <laughs> and a lot of soup. I bet. Uh, no, no. The, the only bit of. Soup-related stuff you had to do. Yeah. The, the group photo was all in T-shirts. Right. And they get, look, you could, could take soup home if you wanted. You didn't have to. <laughs> it was forced on you. But that was it. And I went, they only ran it two years, because I think after the second year, they realised that they were just pissing all this money away. Yeah. I don't know whose idea it was to do it. But, um, because the, uh, the final of it, cause you, and it was piss easy. You, you went to a thing in a, in a pub, and you told a joke. And... Uh, if, you, if there was comedians judging you, and if that joke was won, you got through to the next round, and you won 100 quid. The second round was you'd get up and do five minutes. And I, mine was in front of Simon Donald from The Viz, was one of the judges. Oh, yeah. That's where I first met him. And, <laughs> oh, God. And, uh, <laughs> and if you won that, you got a grand. Right. So, uh, so anyone who did stand-up was straight in, because most of the people getting it were just some cunt having a drink, and... Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Racist. Oh no. <laughs> and then the final was in London, in the pub in London, that Jonathan Ross hosting it. Peter Kay was the closing act. <laughs> and like and Arthur Smith and all these luminaries judging it and all yeah. that. And £10,000 top prize. Fucking mental. <laughs> and uh, then I got to go on the big breakfast the next day and yeah. I had a line of coke off a, a celebrity whose name shall remain unsaid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I reckon I can guess. 
<laughs> and so then you're off. That was it. You're away. And that was it. And that, so I wanted so to what year, what year was... I could afford to go and do all the open spots and all yeah, that yeah. Kind of stuff that you need to do. Amazing. And then I signed with an agency in Liverpool, moved to Manchester, and that was. So what year, was, what year was that that you sort of started? November the 6th, 2000 was my first right. gig. So, so, I mean, the thing nowadays, it's so, it takes so long to, like, for a career to kind of prosper. Yeah, yeah. You, got, you were nominated for the, the Edinburgh Comedy Award in 2015. Yeah. So that's 15... Oh, you're it's 15, all it took, yeah. 15 all right, all years into success. your career. Yeah. But it's, there's so much competition now, right, in, in stand-up. Well, I always say, like, when I got into it, it wasn't... You couldn't do courses, you couldn't do degrees. It wasn't really... Uh, I, I'd never, it never occurred to me as a career choice. No. You, so you kind of fell into, and, and I did as well. And then after a few years, it was suddenly like I was stood in the middle of the road with a big fucking spliff in my hand, thinking about, you know whatever, and all these cunts who had fucking career plans all came and went, whoo, whoo. Sarah Milliken used to fucking sleep on my couch. <laughs> to sleep on my couch in Manchester when she was first starting out. <laughs> Good luck, though. <laughs> Good luck. So, so nice to see... So nice to see people doing well. Um... <laughs> Chris, Chris Ramsey on Strictly. Yeah. Get in there. So happy, so happy, so happy for that. Uh, but apparently, my consolation is that I'm a comedian's comedian. Yeah. Which means poor. Um, well, that's what that means. Because comedians don't pay to come and see me. They get in for free. But you, you do a show in Edinburgh. Have you done, done, you've done most years in Edinburgh the last... I've done most years. Most years. Have you done, do you go every year yeah, and do a new show? Every year since... Um, I didn't go in 2007. Aside from that, I've been every year since 2003. Right, yeah, that's incredible. Um, and, yeah, it's, it was nice to, to finally get some, you know, that award, that nomination in 2015, and then suddenly I've made money for the last, the last three years, yeah. which is... You know, a 12 years investment. Yeah, of it's worth it. But the stand, they, they do, they, you usually play the stand, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in Edinburgh. And in Edinburgh. Um, they, they, they always do a kind of last day prank on you. Is that always happen? Yeah. Because yeah. uh, I was asked to do it this year, but I, I, was, right. I was home by the time uh-huh. the, your last show. I, was, I went straight home after my last show uh, well, on the Sunday and you used to do it on the Monday, weren't you? I remember being up there. I remember somebody saying to me that years ago, it was a tradition on the last day, you know, like the last day of school that you play pranks on, on the on the acts, mm. and everybody was up for it. It was a good laugh, and then apparently some acts got a bit of an arse, or their their representatives did, and they started to say, "Oh well, you can't do this because then it spoils the show," and blah 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 blah. So I said to them, "Oh well, please do it to me. I right. think it's fucking great. Go for it, because um, I think it enhances the show. And if an audience is in a show where that happens, it makes it more special. Yeah, because it doesn't happen every day." Um, and and so yeah, they ran with it, uh, especially uh, Julia Sneddon, who's kind of the, the 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 one who plans it all and started yeah. the ball rolling. She set up a big Facebook group and all that, and we knew nothing about it. Yeah. The best one they ever did was on that 2015 year. Um, I did a bit in a show. I was the show was on a second floor in a circular room with windows that you could open. <coughs> I didn't use lights; I just had all the windows on because my show was at like half one in the afternoon. So I'd let the sunshine in. And there was a bit in the middle of the show where a clock started to chime. Dong, dong. And when that happened, I started to change into a Scrooge outfit. <laughs> and then um, 
as it got as it got to twelve, I pretended uh, that I just woken up and go and uh, I would go, "What day is it? Have I still got time?" And then I would run over and open the window and lean out the window and just shout at some random person, <laughs> "You there, boy? What day is it today?" And then they'd go either say "fuck off" or you know, <laughs> ignore me, or occasionally play along and go, "Oh, it's Christmas," and I would go, "Is that is that?" Goose still available, and here's a shiny penny. Go and take it to Bob Cratchit's house, and then I'll come back and finish off. And, um, and then on the last day, and I, I had no knowledge of this, um, I did all the lead up to it, and I went over and I opened the window, and all the staff from the stand, not all of them, you know, artistic licenses, all the staff from the stand, loads of comedians. We're all lined up, dressed in like Dickensian Christmas gear, <laughs> and uh, and they started singing "We Wish You a Merry Christmas" when I opened the window, and like Tony Law was at the back with a trombone. Thing. <laughs> you can't even play the trombone, no. but like Jimmy Jimmy Cricket, and, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and they sang "We Wish You a Merry Christmas," and Eleanor Morton was down the front, dressed as little uh, Oliver type character, and she was waiting to go around and get the turkey, but I was so gobsmacked that I, I didn't want to talk over them. They were expecting me to do the bit. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like... <laughs> and I was, you know, I was touched emotionally. Yeah, so I didn't amazing. say anything. I just, like, laughed and, and shut the window and apparently they all thought I was really annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you can see that online if you, if you put in, like, Seymour Mace gets pranked. Because uh, yeah. uh, Ro Campbell filmed it all in his little handicam. And he filmed the build-up to it as well, so he's going when they're outside the window waiting for me to open the window. Brilliant. And, uh, yeah... I'd, I'd well, that's nice, something. isn't it? That's, it is fantastic. That's, that's nicer than having a massive TV career, isn't it? Being loved by... Yeah. Yeah, you'd rather, you'd rather have that. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I'd rather have both. Okay. Ideally. I've got neither, so, you know, you at least well, got one of the two. Go. But it is very nice, and then that became a tradition, so now they do it every year, and I expect yeah. them to do it every year, and I think they feel the weight of responsibility. <laughs> I think, do you know what I mean? I think, to be fair, they would have liked to have stopped doing it about two or three years ago, <laughs> but they don't want to let me down. And I always kind of, I always make them aware that it's hard it's, to top it's that. one of my favourite things that yeah. we do it every year. I mean, that's a, that's a very good, that's a, what did they do this year? What was the... Uh, this year, um, uh, yeah, they all, at the end of the show, uh, where I talked about earlier the show that I was going to, I was going to do a show about how I beat depression, but I haven't, so I couldn't. Right. And the start, at the start of the show... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Should have thought of that. <laughs> and, uh, so at the start of the show, I sort of said to the audience, was going to show about depression, but I couldn't. And, and, and then I talked them through how, what the show was going to be. And at the end, I was going to change out with this caterpillar onesie that I'd been wearing and have, like, three dresses in a butterfly, butterfly cat suit. And somebody's going to come and put wings on me back. And basically, they then, what I described, they then went away and made these butterfly wings and all that kind of thing. And then at the end of the show, they came on and played the song and put the butterfly wings on and they were all like, putting googly insect things on, bobblers on the people's heads, and no. then they all just dance around with me when I was singing Nirvana song, dressed as a banana. <laughs> Sing Nirvana, dressed as a banana Nans. at the end of the show. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, they all r- r- just run on and cause chaos and then run off. And yeah. then I say to the audience, that doesn't happen every day. <laughs> uh, 
and then, I, think, then, yeah, I, do, then I say, and then I get emotional and say how great the stand is and the people who work there. Yeah. And then I nearly break down, and then I go on and you know don't because obviously I'm too hard and too yeah. Hard. And let's face it, they're not that good. Yeah. They're not uh, good. So they're not they're that, they're that they're 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 amazing. Well, they stand. Comedy clubs, uh, we are in a stand comedy club. The best, they are. they're, they're the, uh, they're the best. They are the best. Yeah. And best audiences as well. Yeah, yeah. The staff can be a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. What I like about doing the stand is you get free food. I'd come here for nothing. Don't yeah, tell them. Yeah. I'd literally yeah. come here for nothing. I had a chicken burger for free. We had a halloumi in it and, and everything. It's massive, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I've had yeah. one of them. Don't tell them I'd do, I wouldn't. I'd do the shows just for the burger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as long as they don't find that out, we're fine. Well, <laughs> life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's, uh, it's, well, you, you talk about, the, you know, the, that show was about being anxious and depressed and uh, in real life. And yeah. do, I, so I read you saying that you are on... Well, I've been reading uh, Robin Ince's book, because Robin Ince is coming up very soon as the next guest, and he's got written this great book, I'm a Joke and So Are You. And he's looking at comedians and that, what drives comedians, and that feeling on stage. So you're talking about being anxious. He, he sort of writes about this being sort of an anxious and depressed person on stage, and then... Uh, being on stage is the only place you feel like you can let go and lose yeah. yourself on stage. Do you, is that how you feel about being on stage? Yeah, it's the only place I, uh, it's where I feel comfortable. Yeah. But there's no boundaries on stage. There's no, you can pretty much do what you want, say what you want. You can be perfectly natural. You can feel at home. There's, a, there's, already, there's already a convention set up, isn't there, that everybody knows what's going to happen. Like, I'm going to talk, you can laugh, you don't have to laugh. But, and there's still communication going on, but it's kind of safe communication. Yeah, I'm I'm in control, and um, when I'm not on stage, I'm not in control, uh, and you just have to kind of try and fit into society. Society that doesn't see that see. And I, I I've spoken to Robin about this, and it's 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 about. I, I I'm not I'm not in a relationship or anything like. I've spent a long time. I live lived on my own for a long time, and the job is very solitary yeah. job. And your job is to think about things and to kind of pick things apart. And you can get to a point in life where you've picked everything apart and then you realize that everything is ridiculous 
absolutely everything. Everything we do, everything we say, all our actions, everything's ridiculous. And, and that can be a really negative thing if you look at it from a negative view. You say, well, if anything's ridiculous, then what's the point in anything? And that can, that can bring you down. And I've spoken to, I remember chatting to Roman about this, and he said he has a similar thing where he's, he, but he celebrates the ridiculousness. He loves yeah. the ridiculousness, which is a brilliant way to see, see it. And that, for me, that is what depression is. It's just like a switch that you switch from positive to negative. And, and there's not a lot in my life that would have to change for me to not be depressed. Yeah. Just to see my life in a positive light would, would make me happier. And that's what I'm kind of constantly working on. Um, but you can do it on stage, but you fit... On stage, I can... Yeah, I could spend all my time on stage. Yeah. Um, I remember when I saw the Truman Show, and I was, I, I was really... Because I knew what was coming straight away. And now, because I'd thought of that about my life yeah. uh, for years. I, I used to think when I was at school, I used to think that my life, there would be a point in my life where everyone would turn around and say, it was a big joke <laughs> and we all hate you. Yeah. And we hate you, we hate you that much that we've pretended for 21 years to like you yeah. just so that it would be even worse when we turn around. I mean, they, to, for that to have happened, they must have just instantaneously hated you. <laughs> like, yeah. they met you, they hated you, you go, right. Let's all get together. <laughs> well, he's not here. Let's set up this thing for the next 20 years. I mean, it would be quite a compliment to be hated that quickly <laughs> by, every, yeah, by yeah. everybody in the world. Yeah. Anybody, you know, that is, it's a common, you know, I think when I was a kid, I saw you start thinking everyone else is a robot. It's, it's, a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's a common thing, thinking, because it makes sense because you, psychologically, it makes sense because you, you only know yourself. You yeah. can't be sure that anyone else is who they say they are or what they say they are. You don't know for sure what's going on with anybody else. It's, it's, it's interesting that to go into comedy from that and it's i mean i completely get it as well I, I feel like i'm a different person on stage than I, you know i think most comedians will feel that but it is that feeling like more alive and you know and, and that's what i mean robin talks about losing yourself and i've always found it very difficult to lose myself in anything yeah. other than comedy yeah yeah um but comedy i can and even then sometimes do you ever get that incorrect if you know a show really well then that kind of it, the losing yourself encroaches and you sort of start getting the voices in your head trying to trip you up and for you, uh, do you have that? I never I, really know shows that well, so okay. I try, <laughs> try and not prepare if, too much. Yeah, uh, and then I never my shows never run for very long, so okay. <laughs> I never get the chance to get bored. Oh, you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was talking to I was talking to Mike Wozniak about this, but I, one tour I started having a voice in my head going, "What if you forget how to breathe?" <laughs> what, if you, what if you and what if you forget like really nasty, yeah, yeah, uh, kind of de- demonic voice, basically. What if you forget? How to what if you forget how to speak? What if you just suddenly forget how language works? And you're in the middle of quite a complicated routine that you know so well that you could be thinking about something totally different. Yeah. But there's that kind of that kind of other world voice encroaching on this safe space. It doesn't happen to me no. really. I don't like the circuit anymore. I've fallen out of love with the circuit. I don't do. I'm, I'm stopping doing that because uh, I just get far too anxious before the gig, and I always assume that the gig's going to be shit. And uh, it normally isn't, but yeah. it sometimes it is. And when it is, then that confirms all my fears, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I just, I just, I just can't. I, I just, I can't be bothered anymore to humour people. I can't be bothered to drive three and a half hours to Birmingham to fucking humour a load of cunts who I would, <laughs> wouldn't fucking pass the time of day with. Yeah. And if if I turned up and you know tried and went say hey lad should we all go for a drink they were yeah. going fuck off. Yeah. 
I just can't do that anymore. Yeah. And, I, and I got to a stage where I think, well, you know, nobody should have to work in an aggressive environment, and I'm no different than anybody else. So fuck that. Yeah. The shows that I love now, I, do, I don't like the... Re- I've, I've done my material too much. I mean, you get... It's nice when it works and people appreciate it, but the things that I love to do are stuff like this, where you're just coming up with stuff. Yeah. You're just making stuff up. I do a show here once a month with other local comedians where we just make stuff up and it's a shame that that doing making stuff up has has become a bit wanky because it's basically improvisation and improvisation's got a bad name so if you you can't call anything improv and have people turn up and think it's going to be anything other than a load of wankers (laughs) pretending that they're making stuff up they're not fucking making up Uh, shout out a politician Uh, Donald Trump fucking hell nobody said that one before Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. but I like genuine. I think the ge- I think the best comedy is when you get funny people and just let them be funny. Yeah, I think that's the most entertaining. That's the best. And and and, and I think uh, uh, if you're a genuinely funny person, the first time you say something is is generally the funniest that it's ever going to be. So then, if you keep saying that after and after, it's always going to lose it a little bit each time. So why not? I would much rather be a comedian who just fucking makes stuff up every time. Yeah. I did a show once about where I just got people to write something on a bit of paper and put it in a box. Because I got to Edinburgh and I had a show written and then I, I lost all confidence in the show and couldn't fucking do it. So I had to, and I, it was a week to go. So I just thought I'd get people to write something on a bit of paper and then put it in a box and I'll take the paper at the box and that'll be the show. And it worked really well. And it wasn't something I would have ever done because I didn't have the balls to do it, but the fact I was forced to do it yeah. was really great and I really enjoyed that process. But that's not something you can do on the circuit because, you know, if the promoters hear that you're doing that, then they yeah. say, no, no, can you do your fucking midnight train to Georgia dance bit? <laughs> But you do, your stuff's quite alternative, I think, even for... You know, if you're doing that yeah. in, in clubs, it's, it's, it's going to confuse some people. And I mean, there's plenty of gags and there's plenty of observations in there, but there's quite a lot of weirdness and... Yeah, I do surreal like and, silly. And, and I, yeah. I do enjoy gigs when... when the, like, like you say, whenever I gig here, whenever I do a weekend here, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, 99% of the time, it's lovely, it's great. And, and I love doing those gigs because you've got the communication going yeah. with the audience. But I just... I can't turn gigs around anymore. If I, if I do a gig now and it's horrible and they hate me, I'm just like, oh, I can't be fucking bothered to work on this. Because, you know, if I met you in life, I would just leave at this point. <laughs> but I'm contractually obliged to stay. But I don't want to. I mean, I feel like that about Newcastle, so, you know, it's... it's... <laughs> And every cunt who comes to the <laughs> the worst comedy club in the world. Hey, look, we we things are. It was a, that was a joke. <laughs> well, yeah, I've realised I'm staying here tonight. Um, we have. I haven't done any emergency questions um, really all night. Uh, oh, and last week. Uh, so I'm going to ask one that came out. Uh, this is. I think this might be quite a good emergency question. But let's see. Who is the most famous person you have ever been in a lift with? Like not. That you got in with that you got, was in there when uh, you were. Noel in. Edmonds. Right, that is good. And, uh, uh, How was that being in a lift with Noel Edmonds? He didn't say much. He was, no. He's very short. Yeah. <laughs> and if you watch on Deal or No Deal, he has like little 
bits that he walks along, yeah. which are a little bit like a foot off the ground. <laughs> and everyone else stands in little holes. Everyone else is in a swimming, an empty yeah. swimming pool. Uh, and he was, he, uh, yeah, I don't remember much. I always say to people, like, he, you know, he had an office on the ground floor because he couldn't reach it. But uh, that didn't happen. But he, he was genuinely in yeah. the lift. But nothing, nothing. nothing happened. I didn't no. say anything to him. He didn't Still say anything good, though, to me. It's exciting, isn't it? Was, with, with I, I no was surprised at how short he was. Yeah. He was a kind of, you thought, you know, when you used to be a kid and you'd go on your knees and put your mum's slippers. <laughs> he looked like a, he was doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I was in a lift with Billy Connolly, like, and it was in, in Montreal... And I hate Montreal. Montreal's worse than any other festival we've been to. It's like a so business, and it's and I and I'm really I'm terrible at any networking and stuff. And I just cringe and go to bed. Uh, and then we stay. Everyone stays at the same hotel. And there was this tiny lift that took you from the from the ground floor up to the reception. Right, so it was just one story lift. I got in, and Billy Connolly was in the lift, and was funnier for the twenty seconds in that lift than anybody else. So <laughs> generally, just did. They said a few things, and it was just literally the funniest thing you've ever seen. Then he got out, and we went. It was it was a one floor lift. That was nice. So I think it's, that's a good question, isn't it? I think everyone's. Who's the most famous person you've ever been in a lift with? Oh fuck, it's fun. It's falling apart. <laughs> I won't go around the whole room. I might do. Let's. I'll. I'll, I'll go random. Just people all want some. There are some other things we might have time to. We'll see. We've got another ten minutes, maybe. Um, uh, those are for kids. I oh, won't. You're not a kid. Let's see. Uh, what is the worst thing a cow has done to you? Ah, <laughs> uh. <laughs> there's so many to choose from. It feels like uh, flicking through the rolodex of cow crimes. Um, a, a cow's unnerved me and chased me when I was doing the course of course work with my dad. Yeah, uh, but it was in a group. Um, a herd. That's, that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> They're just kind of, you know, chases out this. But I don't, I don't, they were still quite, I don't want to sound like I was in more jeopardy than I was. Yeah. It wasn't, but I did have a friend whose car was jumped on by a cow. Really? And it made the local papers, it made the Evening Chronicle. Was the um, cow trying to jump over the moon or so? What was going on? I don't know on? what it was doing. It was definitely... <laughs> he was driving along. Yeah. This, suddenly, this cow landed on his bonnet. Fucking hell. Bang, that was it. I know the cow was doing a dare. The other cow was <laughs> gone. Go on, Terry, no. <laughs> but, uh... see, let's see what else I've got for you. Um, what is the scariest thing that's ever happened to you in a and b I'm not just trying to find your scary stories. <laughs> you must have. Do you, do you ever stay in bed and breakfast when yeah, you're on the road? In, uh, I have stayed in bed and breakfast. Have you stayed in any creepy ones with dolls? And I've had ones with like <laughs> loads of dolls. Uh, not really. I think I, I stayed in one in London that was horrible, where everything was like chained to the floor and that. Right. Yeah, that's just London. And uh, <laughs> that's, that's yeah. the way things are down there. <laughs> because sometimes people from the north come down there, and uh, we have to protect. Uh, we have to protect our stuff. <laughs> But uh, nothing creepy, uh, really. No. I've always had quite a nice experience in okay. B&Bs. Um, I don't believe in ghosts and stuff like that. I, so. was, gonna, I was just about to ask you if you've ever seen a ghost, and that's, that's quite yeah. spooky that you would say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, 
Uh, yeah, ghosts are not. No, no ghosts. Never seen the ghost? No, I've seen them on telly and that. Yeah, me too, yeah. That doesn't mean they're real. There's, there's loads of yeah, ghost, yeah. Ghostbusters, if you want to see some. Watch that, there's loads. Ghostbusters 2, there's something in that. The, the woman Ghostbusters, there's something in that. <laughs> yeah, well, so, you know... Women, in a way, are they're the scariest <laughs> ghosts of all, aren't they? Oh, yeah. They are in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I no. like uh, my favourite song is about uh, mentioning the ghost. Oh, that's uh, by uh, by a Canadian folk singer called okay. Gordon Lightfoot. Oh yeah, he rings a bell. If you could read my mind, yeah, check it out. I will. He just did. And this is one I've been asking uh, recently: is if you could have any one item from any art gallery or museum in the world, and they let you take it home and keep it, is there anything you would like to keep from a museum or an art gallery? It can be anything. It's your, you belong to you. I'd have that half a cow. Yeah, from Dame, <laughs> that Damien Hurst. See if I could find who's got the other half. <laughs> Set a it could be, it could be, yeah. if you find the other half, no, you like find when you get them lockets, which are like the <laughs> yeah, half a half, yeah. and you have half and I have half. But you'd be carrying and that cow around. And then one day, yeah. oh, yeah. Come round, oh no, it's, it's it a different a cow. cow. That jumped on my <laughs> mate's <laughs> car. <laughs> And let's go. I'll go very. If you had, if you could have a finger that could travel through time, I'm not even going to do the other half. What would you do? What would if you, your finger can travel forwards, backwards? You can stay in the present if you want, but that's just your finger. Right. Uh, if you you can just poke anything in the past, you, your finger goes through into the past or the future. You can right. still control it and see what's going on, but you can slightly alter fate. What would you do? Well, that's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, it is. A... Uh, yeah. Um... Is there anything you'd like to change in history which could be changed with one finger? <laughs> or just that you'd like to do with your finger in time? Yeah. I might poke... Um, who's the poet who wrote I Wandered Lonely as a Cloud? Wordsworth. I might slap him across yeah. the head just as he's writing that. <laughs> Got a problem with uh, well, daffodils? Well, I don't think clouds are lonely. <laughs> There's fucking hundreds of them. Ah, <laughs> oh, good. I'm lonely. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to be a cloud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Somebody said to you... Do you want to be a clown <laughs> for an hour? <laughs> Most people would, wouldn't they? Most people. They would. <laughs> so look, we're gonna. Oh man, well we're gonna have to wrap up in a second. It's been lots of fun. Oh, let's oh. stay all night. <laughs> Yay! Um, there's a. There was a. There was things. We. You know. There was things I was gonna ask you. Uh, but. Um, uh, Let's quit. Well, let, look, I just want to say that one of your DVDs is available at gofasterstrike.com. And people it should, is, is it yeah. just one or two? There's one at the moment another called uh, Shit Title, and there's uh, going to be another one coming out of last year's show, which was called Seymour Mays Gets Sucked Off by God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to spoil the ending. No. Um, <laughs> that's what God said. And anyway, <laughs> uh, 
So that'll be available when I've bothered me ask to watch it and tell him yes. Okay. <laughs> it's, all, it's been filmed. So yeah, yeah. So and that's a download yeah. DVD. If you want a yeah. DVD, if you like DVDs, I've got some DVDs. If you like DVDs, <laughs> um, and you, well, you, you do quite a lot. You did a show called Testamental, which was about. I did do which sure. was about was about the Bible. Bible, which is yeah. I've done. I've done stuff about the Bible. Yeah, yeah. And we had a great uh, professor in Exeter called Professor Francesca. <sighs> I thought I was going to be able to do this. Right. Stavrakapulu. Oh, I think that's her name. Uh, And she, which, I mean, she's really deeply into the Bible, was coming up with all the kind of weird shit. Was it because you you hadn't read the Bible and then you read the Bible for the show? I've read the Bible, I've read it for sure, and uh, just to see how ridiculous it all was. Yeah. And it is. What was your, what was your most, what's you consider the most ridiculous thing in the Bible? Well, I like the story of Job. Yeah. It reminded me of the film Trading Places. <laughs> <laughs> if you have, like, God and the Devil as the two brothers yeah. who own the company, and then, like, Eddie Murphy is, like, Job. Yeah. Because basically, God and the Devil have a. The Devil turns up and says, and God's like, look at Job, he fucking loves me. <laughs> and the Devil's like, cause he loves you, he's God at all, sheep, wives. And then God's like, well, I could take all that off him and he'd still love us. And the devil's like, go on then. God's like, I will. And the devil's like, right, go on then. And God's like, I fucking will. I'll show you the devil. And then God's like, right, I will then. And then eventually (laughs) takes everything off Job until Job is left as naked, mad, dribbling fucking idiot by the side of the road eating rocks. but still believes in God. (laughs) And God says to the devil, there you go, and gets his tenor. (laughs) And and then you say to Christians, that's a bit fucking harsh, isn't it? And then they go, oh, yeah, but then he had a good life after that. And that's no fucking justification, is it? (laughs) It's like me keeping some cunt locked in my cellar and treating him like shit for a year, and then saying, well, here's ten grand, have a nice life. just don't get it. Don't get God. He's a prick. He's, a, he's, he's a an prick. arsehole. Yeah. He chilled out a bit once he had a kid. <laughs> <laughs> but in the Old Testament, what a cunt. Yeah. Well, it's amazing people, uh, people who believe in it don't really read. I mean, it's hard. To, it's a hard read, but it's... Yeah, people, well, people don't most of it is, is a fucking list of who begat who. It is. It? Well, I can tell you all about that. Uh, <laughs> I really. <laughs> can you do it? I can do it. Let's let's have a let's have a begat off. No, I fucking didn't. Uh, I've forgotten. I've deliberately forgotten who begat who. I just know there's loads of it. There is loads of. I know it. I, that's, that was my. I learned it all, and I can do it forwards and backwards. Ah, fuck that. Yeah, it's a lot of work, but no one can steal that routine. That's what I like about it. <laughs> And if they can, they can fucking have it. Yeah. <laughs> so, look, we're going to have to wrap up. You're here doing your show. I'm doing my show on Sunday, the day after tomorrow. I'm doing this year's Edmund show. Seymour Mace is my name. Climb up my nose and sit in my brain. Yeah. Um, and you're going to carry on doing the Fringe every year? Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. I've just started a degree, a drama yeah, degree you, oh, at Northumbria wow. University. Okay. So if you see me around the campus... Don't talk to me. <laughs> um, I'm struggling as it is. Um, so, yeah, I'm doing that on Sunday, if you want to come to that. It's 
really funny. Yeah. And I'm in it. It's good. You don't, you're going to do more acting. You were in Ideal. We didn't even get I, that. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, it was fun. I'd love to do more. That's kind of why I'm doing this degree. Yeah. It's because uh, I'd rather do acting work. I'm a bit sick of the trips around doing the circuit. But I, I, I'm terrible at managing my own career. Mm. So I figured three years of doing a degree was a, the best way to get myself known as an actor. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been to university or get a student loan, which is more than I make doing stand-up. So... <laughs> Sarah Milligan slept on my couch. Yeah. <laughs> well, man, keep on doing what you're doing. You're a fantastic comedian. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Seymour Mays! I'll be upstairs if you want to say hello. Thank you very much. with me was showing my guest Seymour Mace thank you to Pest the music remains excellent I'd like to thank everyone at the stand Newcastle which even since last time I know it's only been a couple of days but it still continues to be the best stand up venue that uh, you can hope to perform at certainly in the United Kingdom uh, the stand the stand Edinburgh the stand Glasgow they're all good ones go and watch some comedy there you will not be disappointed thank you to uh, Go Fast Strike for seven not that one or the usual crew I'm indebted to my producer and tour manager Jane Kingley I'm more indebted to the series producer Ben Walker uh, and of course I'm supremely uh, indebted that's the word to my executive producer Colin Anderton uh, we call him James after James Anderton the, the former deputy commissioner of the Manchester Police Force, I want to say, who came out against uh, Clause 28, I think, in about 1987. Might have got those details wrong, but that's his nickname anyway. He loves it. He doesn't mind. He's, he's, he's very, he's personally very accepting of uh, the lesbian and gay and bisexual and transgender community. So well done to Colin. I hope so anyway, otherwise I'm taking his name off. Yeah, this is a fast go fast to strike and Sky Potato production. Thanks very much for listening. You know where to go, rahalasuka.co.uk. You can find out lots more about this. Why not become a monthly badger? Look, why not do it? £3 a month, £5 a month if you want, £10 a month if you want, £100 a month if you want. It will just help us make more podcasts. But if you don't want to do that, just please tell your friends about the podcasts. Uh, and just by listening to them, they will be helping us out. So spread the word, my friends, my fine friends. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Listen to this ACAST show ad-free on Amazon Music with your Prime membership or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Go to GoFasterStrike.com for all your download needs. Thank you to Chris Evans, as always. Not that one, uh, for the spectacular work he does on all of these podcasts. Uh, RichardHerring.com for all your gigs needs as well. Thanks for listening. Listen to another one. Go on, I dare you.